Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. I am your host, Mark Passio. This show is broadcast live every Tuesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Today is Tuesday, July 27, 2010. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, revolutionbroadcasting.com. The call-in number... For this radio show, 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, and as always, there are no taboo topics on this radio show. Call in and talk about whatever you like. Call-in number is 724-444-7444. When you call in, you have to punch in the call ID number for this show. The call ID number for what on earth is happening is 83515. Once again, after you call in, you have to punch in the call ID number, which is 83515. We have a great show lined up for you here this evening. And... Um, how about last week's show, folks? I mean, was that something or what? Just an incredible show last week. I want to thank my very special guest, Neo, for doing what he did and showing the courage that he did. I mean, that was not easy to do for those who heard it. And I could tell you personally that uh, that was very difficult for that gentleman uh, to come on here and do what he did last week. Uh, a lot of emotions were uh, were dredged up, and um, like I said, it takes a lot of courage to come and tell a extremely personal and disturbing story, yet one that people really need to be made aware of, that these kind of events are taking place in our world while we sleep. So... Um, what I'd like to do to 
get started is read a couple of event announcements for my area to alert people in this vicinity about freedom-related events that are taking place in the Philadelphia region. So I have two event announcements tonight. I'll get these out of the way quick, and then we'll move on to our topics for this evening. Uh, as always, every third Monday of the month, the great group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity in the Philadelphia area hosts a free documentary screening and discussion at the Ethical Society of Philadelphia. So this is every third Monday of the month. Um, next month it will be August 16th, Monday night, August 16th at 7 o'clock p.m. sharp. They start the movie at 7, and then afterwards it is followed by a group discussion. I don't know what this month's documentary is going to be. Um, last month's was fresh, and uh, it was a great film. I had seen it before, but it was great seeing it again. And I'll, I'll tell you, though, we had a good turnout. A good crowd came out uh, last month. Actually, this month, I should say. Um, what happened, there was a unique uh, occurrence that happened at the Ethical Society uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, an anti-war, I shouldn't even say an anti-war, a pro-peace group is really what it was, uh, was scheduled to have a meeting in the Ethical Society building in another room, and it turns out that their group um, did not... Um, did not... Um, end up meeting. So what happened was they all came into our documentary and afterwards got involved in some great discussions with us and our group and I think it's going to be a good future relationship with the people from this pro-peace group because they had a lot of questions and did not seem to be aware of um, a lot of things that are currently going on in the financial system. They had some questions about the Federal Reserve for us, how the Fed is the enabler of wars, and um, how our current fractional reserve banking system that we have in the United States um, really is contributing to all of these wars of aggression that we are waging in other foreign lands. So I think it was kind of a synchronistic event that took place at the Ethical Society. I think maybe um, uh, it was Providence that their meeting kind of, uh, you know, dissolved their last minute. I guess the, the group leader didn't show up, and they were kind of put in touch with a group that has a lot of the information that, maybe some of them simply have lacked up to this point and yet are hungry for. The, the people in this group seem to be hungry for some of the information that Truth, Freedom, Prosperity had to give them. So um, come on out. Ethical Society Building is at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. 7 o'clock p.m. start time every third Monday of the month. For more information on these events, go to www.truthfreedomprosperity.org truthfreedomprosperity.org and finally one more event announcement a 
conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. I myself am hosting a conference in Philadelphia next year in the spring. It will be called Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. The date for this will be Saturday and Sunday, April 9th and 10th, 2011. The location will be Ruba Hall. Ruba Hall is at 414 Green Street in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. This event is already looking to be a great one. It is really shaping up. We have some great organizers. We have some great speakers lined up already. The event already has four confirmed speakers. We're going to look to have about somewhere between 12 and 14 speakers for this event. But right now, we already have four confirmed speakers. I myself will also be a speaker at the event. A good friend of mine, Michael Kelly, will also be speaking. Mr. Aaron McCollum from the West Coast will be coming over and speaking at this at this conference and newly added um, for the first time I'm announcing this we just got confirmation Laura Magdalena Eisenhower the granddaughter of Dwight D. Eisenhower former president of the United States Laura Magdalena Eisenhower will be speaking at Free Your Mind a conference on consciousness mind control and the occult April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia. It's only going to be $20 per day for a fantastic event. We're really going to wake a lot of people up with this one. We're going to have some great speakers. Um, I started putting together a website for it. I'll be announcing that website here next week on air. Um, just getting some content up into it. The description that I wrote out for the event, this may uh, be tweaked a little bit over the upcoming weeks, but it's a two-day conference featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising awareness of mass mind control techniques, covert and subversive influences upon consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the availability and practicality of specific healing methodologies for the above-mentioned devices. So that's Free Your Mind, April 9th and 10th, 2011, right here in Philadelphia. So that's all the event announcements I have for this evening. What I want to do next is start to go back to the regular outline that I've generally been following along to explain some concepts and ideas to people that have been listening to this show. Uh, all of these shows are archived as podcasts on my website. If you just go to whatonearthishappening.com and you go to the podcast page on my site, you'll see that every show is archived and is up there for download to any kind of a uh, digital device or for playback on your computer. 
So we've been essentially talking about mind control for the past many weeks here on the show, and we will continue to talk about mind control as the main vehicle, the main methodology for the covert manipulation and move toward enslavement of the human species. There are many methodologies and techniques that are employed in mind control, and it is critical to understand how those techniques indeed work for us to become empowered so that we do not fall under the influence of these covert methodologies that sometimes can be very hard to see. So we've been talking about, in general, how the structures of control in the world work. We discussed pyramidal control structures. You could look at these as a pyramid or even a spider web. Centralization of control. This works through two methods, through compartmentalization, which is essentially separating people into different compartments so that one group of people does not understand what another group of people are doing and therefore they cannot see how each compartment's agenda is fitting into a larger agenda or a larger plan that is orchestrating all of the people involved in that plan. The second way that these control structures perpetuate themselves is through a hierarchical structure, through hierarchy. This means that inherently built into these systems of control, there are ranks. And those who are lower in rank or responsibility are subservient and answer to those above them. And on this chain of command goes on up to the highest levels who are really the only, it is the only level that understands the entire agenda and understands how all of the different compartmentalized pieces are working together to advance that agenda. Often those at the lowest levels have the least amount of knowledge about the agenda that is orchestrated and tied together at the top of this structure. In going forward in discussing specific techniques of manipulation, we started to talk about obfuscation. And obfuscation simply, we discovered, was how to make someone confused about concepts and ideas. To render specific concepts and ideas unclear, unintelligible, bewildering, confusing, and often backwards completely the opposite of what they really mean. 
So over the last few weeks, we really focused on this first technique of mind control. And I'm going to wrap this technique up and move on to the second tonight. We talked about how simplicity is often confused with complexity. Truth is always simple. A controller or a manipulator wants you to think of it as unimaginably complex so that therefore you would never really be able to comprehend or understand what in fact is actually taking place because the truth is right there in front of us it is right before our eyes it is very simple if we only open our eyes to discover it going hand in hand with the obfuscation of simplex simplicity with complexity we looked at a few weeks ago the obfuscation of principles with law principles are truths that exist in nature that we discover and recognize and then apply in our lives law is man's attempt to control others through decrees and therefore invoke fear of punishment for violating said decrees of man and in doing so this prevents the understanding of principles that exist under natural law man's law is the inversion of the recognition of principles it seeks only to punish it does not seek to actually educate regarding natural law because it only seeks to serve its own ends which is more power and more control hand in hand with this of course went the obfuscation of self-control or dominion owning one's own thoughts emotions and actions and uniting them into a harmonious vibration harmonious working such that as one thinks so one feels and so one acts this is obfuscated with the aforementioned fear of punishment which is one of the lowest levels of consciousness that one can ever choose to take any action based upon we also discussed the obfuscation of gnosis which is knowledge acquired through direct experience of a thing or direct experience of a principle which has been discovered this gnosis true knowledge is obfuscated with belief and belief systems which we briefly began to discuss religion as one of these obfuscation techniques which is 
one of what I call the heavy guns of manipulation, and we will be delving deeply into religion as the weeks go on. Not so much this evening, but it ties in with the obfuscation of true knowledge or gnosis with belief systems that are simply that. Some beliefs may hit upon truth, some may not, but they are clung to because their adherents would rather think of themselves as being right in their beliefs rather than pursue the truth regardless of where it goes and how uncomfortable it may make one feel. So that was the basic idea of the obfuscation of gnosis with belief. Finally, we were looking at the obfuscation of individuality, true individuality, the uniqueness of a living being with the concept of culture. And I had briefly begun getting into this topic when the show ended a few weeks ago, a couple weeks back. I'm going to explore this out a little bit more and then we're going to change gears and go into the concept of worldview poisoning, which essentially has everything to do with how we view ourselves and those around us and our purpose and our value in life. So let's look at the obfuscation of individuality with culture. Individuality, right in the word, as I briefly explained before, there is the word divide and dual. And it is prefixed within, which means not. If we become a true individual, we are not divided and not dual. Now, of course, one thinks of this exactly in the opposite terms if one is in deep conditioning or mind control. Because we think of a true individual as one who completely separates themselves from everything else. The man who thinks he's an island, and we all know no man is an island. No man or woman is an island, right? As we've been told. Well, this word really means to not be divided or dual with oneself. Higher case S, uppercase S, self which we talked about the differences between the true self and the ego-driven self, lowercase s self, weeks ago on this show, which you can go back and listen in the archive. Write in the word individual, not divided or dual. One who has become whole with oneself. Culture always seeks 
in getting someone to believe that they must conform to the ideologies of the group or hive mind, which is culture, that they can never really truly be an individual, that that is death, essentially, that that is atomizing oneself and cutting oneself off from the collective hive mind, so to speak, that there is strength in not being different, not being a true individual, that there is strength in conformity. These are the goals of culture. Getting everybody to follow along with the herd mentality, to go along, to get along. And essentially, as the great orator, philosopher, Terence McKenna, who is no longer with us, once said, culture is not your friend, it's your cult. Right in the word, cult, your. Phonetically, in the word, and this is not accidental. Words can teach us a lot just by their phonetic pronunciation. People think there's nothing to this, that it's just random. It's not, folks. There is meaning embedded in language. We'll see that as the weeks go on, as we pick apart some words and really delve into their true meanings. What I'd like to do to flesh out a little bit more the idea of what culture is and how it obfuscates not only one's personal identity, but in a much greater sense and in a much more debilitating sense, it obfuscates or confuses one's sense of morality. And to do that, I would like to go back to a book which I read a little bit from a few weeks back called The End of All Evil by a gentleman named Jeremy Locke. This book had a big, profound impact on my life and my awareness. I highly recommend that everyone read this book. It is very short. It is written in incredibly easy-to-understand language. It flows easily. You will not easily want to put this book down. Some people will just be able to tear through this and read this book in a couple hours. It's only about 90 pages, large print, easily available online. Um... Of course, you could purchase the book online at any number of book suppliers online, but you could also get a copy for free on Scribd, 
S-C-R-I-B-D.com. Scribed is a phenomenal resource for digital books. You might be able to find it as well on Google Books. I'm not sure if it's up there, but I do know it is available on Scribed, S-C-R-I-B-D.com, as well as our hundreds of thousands of other phenomenal works of literature. Scribed is just a phenomenal resource for anyone that loves to read. And you can read for the rest of your life on that site and download the books as well. So I encourage people to check out that site as well. But what I'd like to do briefly is to read part of a chapter of the book, The End of All Evil, that talks about culture and what culture really is, as opposed to what most people think of it as. This is chapter four, and the first section is simply called Culture. Cultures are created to protect power structures. Culture is the enforcer of authority. Culture distorts principles in order to defend the authority of evil. Culture must convince you that it is not wrong when law subjugates your worth and destroys your freedom. Think about that, folks. Culture must convince you that it is not wrong when law subjugates your worth and destroys your freedom. Culture convinces people of this by perverting the concept of morality. Morality is liberty. Immorality is evil. The exercise and defense of freedom are moral. The destruction of freedom is immoral. This is the pure truth of morality. Prudence is the proper application of principle. Imprudence is foolishness. Prudence is not morality. It is not immoral to kick a heavy stone with your bare foot, but it would probably be foolish. Prudence is a question of applying the principles and wisdom you have gathered in your life to achieve the goals you have for yourself. This is made possible by liberty. Without liberty, prudence is meaningless. But morality must come before prudence. The great lie of culture is that authority is not bound by morality and that authority can enforce its own prudence upon you. The great lie of culture is that you are worth less than law. Cultures teach that intentions of prudence can be enforced by law. In this fashion, they gain the excuse to control the lives of people. 
in order for people to learn, grow, and find happiness, people must be free to test their understanding of principles. With freedom, they can do this by a process of faith, trial, and error. In this fashion, children grow from immaturity to maturity. In this fashion, human beings can gain wisdom. Cultures are the agents of evil. The objective of evil is the damnation of your ability to grow strong in wisdom. I'll say that again. The objective of evil is the damnation of your ability to grow strong in wisdom. The objective of evil is the destruction of your worth. In order to gain control over you, culture spreads the lie that authority is not bound by morality. It teaches that authority can destroy freedom at will and claims that prudence as the reason that you should willingly submit to that authority. In the name of defending you, culture claims that the destruction of freedom is morality. Culture pretends that evil is good and that good is evil. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the other techniques of obfuscation. Obfuscating good itself with evil. Continuing with the reading of this excerpt, prudence can be found all around you. It is found in the choices that you make every day. Even when a mistake is made, you learn prudence. Prudence cannot be enforced. To, to attempt to enforce prudence is law. Man's law. Law is lie. Without the freedom to choose, you cannot learn prudence. And therefore, you cannot ever be happy. Morality can also be found all around you. Wherever you find it, you will find joy. Wherever you find immorality, you will find misery. Culture enforces authority by destroying freedom with law. This is immorality. And I feel that that is a brilliant condensation of what the ideology of culture really is. Now, we are not talking about living in social harmony. That is not what I mean when I'm using the word culture. Again, I'm using the word culture as that which destroys morality through the application of law 
that is based in control and the limitation of freedom. And yes, of course, I know the justifications in people's minds and the arguments that will be made is that laws are made to try to enforce moral principles. Well, therein lies the complete non-understanding of what principle is, folks. You can't enforce principle. You can only discover it and live according to it in your life. You cannot enforce it. You can speak the truth of a principle out into the universe and therefore help others to more become aware of it and its existence and its truth and then to also influence them to live according to those principles. But you cannot enforce prudence as Mr. Locke is explaining in his brilliant book. Once you go down that path, you have tyranny. Every time. Not once, not sometimes, every time. It always works the same way because you are applying the basic essence, the energy of fear, control, and the desire to control others is based in the polarity of fear, as we've talked about many times on this show. In attempting to create anything that is good, anything that is true, anything that is free, that is based in freedom, you cannot do that. Can not do that by using the polarity of fear. Because that leads to internal confusion or obfuscation, which leads to external control or the destruction of freedom. People need to be free to experiment with natural law principles and reap the consequences thereof. Culture, through law, is the destruction of that ability. And therefore, it is the destruction of the individual. This is not to say that we are not social creatures and develop societies in which we live and grow. I am not talking about social behavior. As long as there is more than one individual, you will have a society. And again, there's always this great confusion when it comes to how does one know that one is breaking natural law in attempting to come up with some sort of a law or a statute, etc.? Well, I would suggest if you think that you're the authority that can write down a law and bind someone to it, you've already broken natural law. 
because you're not the authority in this realm. Natural law is the authority in this realm. However, what I would, how I would answer that is anything that happens to be written down, it doesn't even matter that it's written down. That makes no difference, okay? Because you could write anything down. If it's in keeping with natural law principles, it's morally acceptable. It is right, because none have been wronged. See, we're using the word right in the actual content context that it what it means to have a right to take an action or to do something means that in the performance of that right the the exercise of that right none have been wronged by that action you haven't harmed or defrauded anyone else you haven't stolen their freedom from them in some way what I tell people to do is just envision that there's only two people on the planet. So if there were only two people on the planet, you and another individual, if you have the right to take a certain action in relation to them living in this society of two, then it is right under natural law. If you are not harming that individual. So... Let's say there's two couples on the earth. There's four people total on the planet. And let's say one group has a child. And they say to the other group, since we have just had this child, we are going to come to where you are living Okay, on the opposite side of the pasture, let's say, and we are going to confiscate from you a certain amount of food to feed our child. Oh, don't worry, we will also give a certain amount of the food we produce to feed that child, but we are going to force you to give a certain amount to feed that child as well. Well, they don't have the natural law right to do that. They have the natural law right to ask if you would do that, but not to enforce it under some kind of penalty or fear of punishment. The threat of doing something that would infringe upon your freedom or your well-being should you choose not to participate in that activity. And you could see that you could apply this right down to just one other person living on the planet. Well, people will say, well, that isn't the case. There isn't just two people or four people on the planet. And I would answer it doesn't matter. If it is wrong when there would only be two or four people on the planet, it would be wrong with their with six or seven billion people on the planet or 22 billion people or 100 billion people. Morality is unwavering. It doesn't care what you think of it. It is. It's a law that exists in nature. And again, we talked about the people who refuse to accept or believe in that. Social Darwinists, solipsists, moral relativists is ultimately what they all are. And this is the path toward a psychopathic society. Moral relativism 
moral relativism is ultimately the past toward, path toward a, a society that has become completely psychopathic, which is pretty much where we are right now. And there are people who will fight you tooth and nail to the death that there is no such thing as natural law. This is a completely out-of-control, left-brained ideology. We get to make up what's right or wrong, didn't you know? You didn't get the memo. It's a great deal being the arbiter of truth in life, isn't it? That's how you get to every totalitarian regime in history, through moral relativism. Well, this is what the law of man ultimately does. Because based on our likes, our preferences, we get to make up what's right and wrong, what people may and may not do. It's a great deal. The discovery of natural law is where it all needs to go for us to be able to truly live in social harmony. To understand what having rights really means. And it's not called rights for no reason. Right in the language, it's there again. We use the same word to mean a right that we possess under natural law and being correct about something. Is it true that you have the ability to do this behavior? Or is that not true in natural law? Well, if it's not true... Taking that action is wrong. If it is true, taking that action is a right. And it is that simple. It is that simple. It isn't any more complex than that. The problem is so few people know what is right or wrong under natural law because of how screwed up they are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually because of the brainwashing and mind control that culture has put them through that they have absolutely no clue about what natural law rights and principles are. None. They're blind. They're wandering in a desert of conflicting ideologies. It's a labyrinth out there where people's mindsets are. I'm an observer of people and people's behavior. And I'm telling you, their mind is twisted up in knots about what is right and what is wrong. In knots. Years and years of television will do that to a human brain. Years of years of believing in this nonsense left-right paradigm will do that to a human brain. Years and years of falling prey to obfuscation with the distortion of principles will do that to a human brain. We have to become clear, folks, 
obfuscation is to render unclear. We have to get clear about what is right and wrong. Obfuscation means to render unintelligible. We have to become intelligent about natural law principles because we've gained gnosis about these principles through direct experience of applying them in our lives and making mistakes in relation to them, which can be the greatest teacher. And we have to be free to make those mistakes. Obfuscation wants to create confusion within us, and we have to become unconfused. We have to become clear, intelligent, and we have to be sovereign, which means we have to become the ruler. What of? Well, nothing more and nothing less than our own house, our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own actions. And that's the only thing we're allowed to rule over under natural law. We need to get clear about this, folks. We're running out of time. When we become clear, these lies and deception will no longer obfuscate our vision. And we will have passed that barrier of mind control, that wall that culture has erected around us. So let's move on to the next methodology, technique of mind manipulation. These techniques must work upon the mind for them to be effective. When people know they're in a prison, know they're in a cage, can see the control, can see the bars, they'll rebel against it. So physical domination will not hold a culture in chains for very long. The spirit, the higher self, when it is present, cannot be ruled externally. It is too powerful of a force. It is pure being. You're not going to rule that. So the plane that is attacked, the domain that the war must be waged upon is the mental domain, the realm of mind. The second technique of mind control is worldview poisoning. Worldview poisoning is just what it sounds like. Our view of the world, ourselves, and our relationship to others in it must become poisoned. It must become sickened for us to be further controlled and mentally manipulated. 
A person who has a properly focused and functioning worldview, which we began talking about already, we talked about the very concept of worldview on earlier shows. A person's worldview must be skewed in order for them to be controlled. What do I mean by this? We have to think of ourselves in the world in a certain negative and dark way. We have to think of our value in a negative and dark way and in a limiting way. We have to think of human nature in a very negative and dark way in order for a mind manipulator's techniques to work better upon us. Ultimately, what this is all geared to do is to get us into victim mentality. Victim mentality. And we all know what this means, essentially. Because we've all seen people like this and heard their language, seen their body language, felt their energy. And we all know the victim mentality phrase. The victim mentality mantra. But what can I do about it? We've all heard that mantra repeated time and time and time and time again. And what puts that thought, roots that thought into someone's consciousness is a poisoned worldview. That's what puts the thought, what can I do about it, into someone's brain and keeps it there. This sense of powerlessness. Because after all, I'm a completely atomized, cut off, helpless, powerless, tiny person with no real power, right? That's the victim mentality. That's what it thinks. Because of the overall overarching worldview that they have that says an individual doesn't matter. An individual is powerless. An individual cannot make any actual change. That's the next biggest part of worldview poisoning. It has to get you to think that change is impossible and it has to get you to think that you can never impact the lives of others, influence the lives of other, others to get change to ripple out into a wider framework. It has to get you to think you don't have that power as an individual. Overall, it has to get you to think things have always been like this, are this way now, and will always be like this. And nothing anybody does 
will be able to change it. And this is a lie. And it's a big, big lie. That is a mind manipulation technique. That is mind control. Let's look at some of the components of worldview poisoning. The first thing it needs you to focus on is that a human, human nature in general is inherently bad, flawed, or evil. That the condition that a human being is born into as an individual is evil. The nature of the being itself is bad. And this is a lie. This is a deception. Anybody that believes this is under mind control. They've been duped, folks. If you believe that, you've been duped. Because it isn't true. Now, I'm not saying everyone comes into this world as angels either. But they don't come into this world as demons. People come in... This is the idea of nature versus nurture that we're going to get into here a little bit. And this can often set off a firestorm of hot um, debates and you know, very, very deep-rooted opinions. There is very little actual human nature that a, that a being is immediately born into the world into. And that may come as a shock for most people. I didn't, I'm not saying there is no nature of a being, but it is not inherently evil, nor is it inherently tremendously good. It is essentially neutral. Essentially neutral. It is through conditioning in the environment that that being is born into that programs the mind of that individual to take on the thought patterns and behavioral patterns that they will take on in life. And most people will go to their graves battling that idea and refusing to accept that. What I would suggest, if you want to understand the real answer, and I, I know people will say, oh, this is a simple, simple uh, oversimplification. This is reductionism, et cetera, et cetera. Don't bother reading enormous amounts of scientific literature on this topic. Because, again, ultimately those are simply opinions, too. The Honestly, the best thing I have ever seen, I've read psychology books, I've read... Uh, neurophysiology about the brain in regards to this topic, sociology. It's all largely speculation and conjecture. The most beautiful thing that I've ever actually seen, Donna, about this topic 
and I know this will be a shock and people will get a laugh out of this, is the movie Trading Places by a great American patriot, Aaron Russo. You want to see how human nature really functions? Watch Trading Places. When people are born into the world, their environment programs them. Who they are around, what they see, what they hear, behaviors they see other people taking, opinions they hear batted back and forth between people around them in their families, amongst their friends, their schoolmates, their co-workers, etc., the first six years of a human being's life, they don't have actual formed opinions. They're like an open, they're like a dry sponge sopping up everything, all the moisture from their environment. The human mind is essentially a computer with a blank hard drive at the beginning of life. Maybe some firmware instructions on chip, okay, there's a little bit of nature there, but it's largely nurture, largely nurture. I'm not using the word, in this case, I'm not using the word 100%. I'm not saying all, largely, to a great deal, nurture or conditioning is what programs a human being to take on the stances, the opinions, the behaviors that they take on. Now, this can be changed through information that one takes in. And not only into their mind, through what they read, through what they watch, through what they listen to, to who they speak with, to conversations, with conversations they have, but this is also done through the body. Because the body is part of this computer that I'm talking about. The body and mind connection work together to form the nature of the individual. This is something that we create as we live based upon our choices of who we are going to listen to. What are we going to read? What will we watch? What will we listen to? Who will we hang out with? What kind of activities will we do? We are creating this, not even just individually. We're creating this collectively. And that's what human nature becomes. The word becoming is very important when we're talking about human nature. What are we moving toward? The word becoming is a very deep, occult concept that is used on both sides of occultism, the light and the dark. You will hear the term becoming. Because occultists know this principle, and they know it very well. 
that there is not actually a human nature. Human nature is what we create it to be actively through our choices. What controllers and manipulators want you to think is that we are born into reality inherently flawed and inherently bad. The concept of original sin in religion, the concept that if left to our own devices, we would simply be animals. If there were no controls, namely government, well, nothing could be farther from the truth. And if you bought this idea, you bought a lie. You were fooled. And that's why it will be very, very difficult for most people to admit that they got fooled on this, that they got clowned on it. That they bought a great deception. More people than not in the world, I would suggest, from conversations that I have had with people, asking people for their opinion on this, actually believe that lie. That we're born into the world inherently flawed and inherently evil. And if there weren't tight and strict controls exercised, that there would be chaos. That everybody would be killing each other. Take a look around you. If you think that's really what there would be without a total control-based society pushing everybody's nature down further, which is what essentially control does, because it roots people in fear, and fear is the lowest form of consciousness there is. You're living in the R-complex of the brain, which we talked about when we talked about the physiology of the brain on earlier shows. And when you live in that R-complex modality, you're not in right reason, you're not in the moral center of the brain. That's that. Those cognitive functions aren't being developed. Those neural pathways aren't being forged in the neocortex, the higher thought center of the brain. You're not even in connection with your emotional centers of your brain, the midbrain, that generate the, the neuropeptides and other chemicals that are responsible for you feeling emotion within your body which is your compass for moral direction because it helps you to feel the repercussions of your behavior in relation to other people. That's all control does is keep you rooted in the lowest part of the brain, which keeps those higher thought functions and emotional qualities from ever truly manifesting to a great degree. So if you think control is the answer, you bought another big lie. If you thought human nature is inherently flawed and, and we come into the world as beasts, you bought another great deception. Our behaviors are conditioned. 
like instructions put into a computer. You put crap in, you get crap out. A computer program is essentially constrained to doing only what the programmer input into the program. That's all it can really output to the screen or to an output device like a printer. In order for it to output something different, the programming must be changed. Or in other words, the human's condition, current conditions, must be overcome through an act of will. Meaning using your ability to think, your ability to feel, and your ability to act and change behavior to create a positive change in life based upon what information you put into your mind and what nutrients you put into your body. And that's what will change your body-mind computer. And it's done through an act of will. Once we reach an age where we are able on our own to begin deciding what we are going to believe, accept as true, and now in an age of unbelievable, practically unlimited sources of information, there's no excuse for adult people not doing this task. It's because they've been conditioned to be lazy and ignorant and to accept that because they've given up their personal power, their personal responsibility, and have said, let other people handle my problems for me, that they don't want to do that. And that is part of the conditioning factor as well, a part of the mind control as well. Get people to not want to care about decisions and events that affect their lives to a point where they'll just let anybody do it because they think they're better equipped to do that than, than the person themselves. Oh, go ahead. Vote over this. M make decisions that directly affect my life, and I'll accept what you decide. What, what, what kind of a follower herd animal would you even have to be to accept that notion? To even accept the notion that there is such a thing as representative government at all. Oh, really? You represent my interests. You represent to me what my interests are. Really? Wow. Wow. Imagine this. And people go for it. They, they, they continue to vote for a representative. Represent me. Well, you know what? No one presents. Represents me. I present me. I am an individual, not divided or dual. I understand natural law principles. I understand morality. I know right from wrong. And I'm not afraid to say that I know that. I can live in social harmony with other beings without harming other people or trouncing and stepping all over their natural law rights and freedoms. I have that ability. 
I know that's the only path to freedom. And therefore, I respect that natural law. Which is not created by any being in this cosmos. It is the living cosmos. The unified field. You can call it whatever you want. Call it God if you want. doesn't make a difference. It's that which is. It's truth. I tend to want to look at that force as, as more of a feminine principle. Or in other words, the Holy Spirit. If you want to put it in a religious context or a cosmic context of some sort, it is a living spirit that essentially governs this realm in regards to what decisions and behaviors are made and taken. We live in harmony with the principle of harm none, do what you will, we'll be okay. If we live according to the ideologies of I'm going to try to control as many people's actions and behaviors as I can, to get them to do what I want them to do, then we're going to be in for a very, very disturbing experience here. And it goes hand in hand with, going hand in hand with that, it also means turning my back when I see immoral acts of control constantly perpetrated upon other people and not doing anything about that. When other people's Freedoms are being destroyed. We have a moral responsibility to act. And in the first and foremost way, to be honest and tell the truth about what that act is. That it's immoral for them to act that way. A cop agreeing to take freedom of speech rights away from other living human beings by saying you no longer have the right to protest or you must even have permission to be at this location to say I don't like events that are going on in the world. Well, you know what? You don't have that right to do that action, cop. You don't have that right under natural law to do that. That's immoral. And more people need to tell people like that, that they're immoral, that they're behaving immorally, and that they don't have that natural law right. And if they don't desist from that, they will do something to stop them from taking that immoral act. They don't have the right to take it. Harm is being done by them taking that action upon other living beings and their rights and freedoms. But unfortunately, these people are too dumb to understand that. And it really is that simple, folks. And I'm not going to apologize about that. I'm going to say exactly as it is. They're dumb people. They haven't read books. They haven't discovered natural law. They haven't been raised properly by their parents. Yeah, you can bring in the whole idea of public schooling, putting people in this mentality. Social Darwinism is really being taught. Moral relativism, relativism is being taught in the schools. It's parents' responsibilities. And the local community's responsibilities. The society to educate their young properly 
in moral law. Well, you can't get that education if the older members of society actually believe in this nonsense of moral relativism, moral relativism also, which happens to be the case in, in most places. Let me tell you something. Sadly, I didn't acquire my understanding of natural law from my parents. Far from it. And it pains me to have to even say that, but it's true. And in many cases, many people's parents are still on the complete other side of the fence when it comes to this understanding. They still don't grasp it at all. Worldview has everything to do, everything to do with how we are morally being raised as young when we don't morally raise our young according to principles, not according to you have to become successful and make this much money and get this kind of a job and drive this kind of a car and have this much money in a bank account and dress this way and look this way and talk this way, that's all nonsense. Most people's parents aren't actually educating their young about moral principles in life. And that's the sad, cold, matter-of-fact reality of this world. And that's why they grow up with a demented sense of human nature. And they have no idea how human nature actually does work. It's all conditioning conditioning. We're born into conditioning. We're born into a society that's under sickness and dementia and mind control. And then we take on those psychological properties as we grow older. And then we spend most of our lives trying to overcome and deprogramming and deprogram from that conditioning. And we wonder why the world is as screwed up as it is. Once again, I'm going to give the call-in number for the show. If anybody wants to call in and talk about anything, call-in number is 724-444-7444. The call ID number is 83515. Call-in number 724-444-7444. Call-in ID 83515. We're talking about mind control and the technique known as worldview poisoning. And we're talking about the first principle, of, the first technique, I should say, of worldview poisoning is to get people to accept the notion that human nature is inherently evil. And you got them under pretty good mind control once you accomplish that task. We are conditioned into a psychopathic mind state because our parents are conditioned they don't raise us properly morally and the cycle goes on and on and on it is a self-perpetuating psychosis it is 
largely nurture or conditioning that determines what we will behave like upon reaching adulthood. Whether our neuropathways have been built up in positive reinforcing ways in the neocortex or whether they will exhibit psychotic tendencies. And this is all about what has been programmed into the mind-body computer, which is our physiology, our physiological makeup. That is not who we are, but the mind-body computer plays a role in the expression of who we are. And it plays a big role in that expression. And the manipulators, the covert manipulators of this world understand that to a great, great depth. And sadly, the people they are manipulating don't understand it much at all. But this is slowly changing. I would like to see a great acceleration in that understanding. But some people are beginning to very slowly grasp it and apply it. One of the first things that they should look at is how they see the world and other people in it. And this isn't to say be ignorant of how what people really act like in the world. Because people are largely ignorant. And they get into the pattern of accepting ignorance and being apathetic. You know, the whole joke... You ask somebody, what's worse, human ignorance or human apathy? And their answer is, I don't know and I don't care. Sad but true. We can't ignore that fact that this is the current condition that people have worked themselves into. But we make a great mistake when we think that this is the eternal nature of the human being. There's a big difference between condition, and this is why it is called conditioning. See, it's all in the words, folks. All in the words. It's not called conditioning by accident. It's called conditioning for a reason. It's how it was made into this condition, which we currently call the human condition. That's the mental manipulation technique of worldview poisoning through the acceptance of evil as being the root of human nature. Original sin, in other words, we're born inherently screwed up and flawed. Well, I would say, once again, this is simply nonsense that needs to be thoroughly renounced and rejected. We need to understand how the human condition is created. It doesn't come in through something that we call nature. It is a process that is created, not by our 
thoughts, emotions, and actions alone, but by the collective thoughts, emotions, and actions of the environment into which we are born. And that is the first method of worldview poisoning in this larger technique that we're discussing. Let's go to the next component of worldview poisoning. And this ties hand in hand with human nature and the way we see ourselves in the world. First component of worldview is how we see our nature. The second component of worldview is how do we see our worth? And I love how Jeremy Locke puts it in The End of All Evil. He says, The worth of an individual is infinite. No value can even be assigned. No, no numerical value can be given to the worth of an individual. The worth of an individual is everything. The one who is not divided or dueled or, or dual. The individual, the one. Well, what do most people in our current conditioned society believe that an individual's worth is comprised of? What makes our worth? What makes us worthy? Well, you ask most people what that word means. If you immediately just say the word worth, or value. You do a word association game. Write the word worth or value down on a piece of paper and tell people to just write underneath it one word that they associate with those words. And I almost universally guarantee you that the first word that will come to their mind that they will write down on that piece of paper is, drum roll please, you don't even need one because you already know what it is, money. Money. Because sadly, most people, not all, think that that's what determines the value of the individual. How much money does he make? What kind of car does he drive? What kind of house does he live in? Where does he live? How much money is in his bank account? What kind of clothes does he wear? How, what does he look like? External appearance. What you have. People think what you have is what you are. you have more money, you'll be a better person. You'll be happier. You'll be worth more. You'll have more value. Really? Hmm. 
the true value of the individual is not connected to any of those things. What determines the worthiness of an individual is how moral they behave in the world. That's what makes you a good person. That's what makes you a better person. When we say a bad person, do we think of a bad person as someone who has no money? No, we think of an unfortunate person because of how this deranged society runs as having no money. But we don't think of a bad person as someone who doesn't have any money. Yet we think of the worth of a person as having money. We connect that in our brain. This is all mind control. This is all manip a manipulation technique. Most people, when you say the word value or worth, immediately money is the word that comes into their mind. And that's what they think of when they think of the worth of a person. Very few people will write down that values have to do with morality. Values have to do with freedom. Values have to do with principles. The value of the individual is infinite. What makes someone a good person or a bad person is how well they apply principles in their life. Principles are truth that contribute to freedom. When we move in the direction of having principles and living according to those principles, that is how we are increasing our worth. Not by accumulating worthless pieces of paper into a bank account. So we have to understand the distinction between true value, which is based upon principles, and this fake notion of value and worth, which is another manipulation technique, a technique of mind control to get us to poison our worldview of not only ourselves, but of other people, because it gets us to look at them as something that is worthless or of no value. When in fact, what we should be looking at as uh, uh, in relation to what is the worth or the value of this individual is, are they principled? Do they have principles that are, they are living their lives according to truth? But how many people when meeting somebody try to find out how well in harmony with what is true in the world do you live? One of the first things we ask people upon meeting them is, what do you do? 
Meaning, how much money do you make? What kind of a job do you do so I can get an idea of how much money you make? This is ridiculous. What about one of the first questions after meeting somebody is, do you live your life in a moral way? How about asking that question to people after we meet them? Instead of saying, hi, what's your name? My name's John or Jim, Mary, Ellen, whatever. Uh, and what do you do? Not, are you a good person? What, what, what do you think of as far as, you know, the nature of what is actually taking place on this planet? What do you actually know about what's going on in the world and around you? How conscious are you? How principled are you? How much do you care about truth? How about those questions after what's your name? But most people try to run in the opposite direction from, from talking about concepts like that because it makes them uncomfortable because they know the answer to those questions in very high percentages of people is that they're not principled. They don't care. They'd sell their principles out in a minute for a paycheck. And they do it every day. And that's what needs to change. And you can say all you want. This, you know, can sound preachy or self-righteous. Go right ahead. This is why the world's descending into tyranny, folks. Because of how we value ourselves and how we are not principled people when it comes to money we'll sell out our principles for a paycheck in a second 90% of people or more would and that is what human nature is becoming not what it is and that's done through mind control through conditioning We have to get back to principles, first things, to put first things first. That's what being principled means. And we do that by getting in touch with what is true under natural law. What do we have inherently in nature, the right to do and what in nature inherently by natural law do we not have the right to do we get in touch with that and live according to that law and no other shall say nay and that's the only right we have If you hear what I'm saying. So let's move on past the second method of poisoning someone's worldview. Getting them to think of themselves as a number. Poisoning the value, the idea of the value of the individual. Again, the next way that we are targeted for worldview poisoning is a controller. 
a manipulator, a worldview poisoner, must get someone to naively believe that change is simply, on, on a large scale, is simply impossible. Why bother changing anything in your life to try to affect change in other people's lives? Don't even bother. You're just going to make yourself more uncomfortable, drive yourself crazy trying to do that, because things have always been like this. They, all, they are this way now, and they will always be like this. There is no such thing as change. This is what a mind controller wants you to accept. Once again, if you buy this notion, you're under mind control. This is what mind control is, folks. These aren't even just the techniques. What I'm describing here, these things that I'm describing, is what mind control is. Okay? And I'm not, again, the things I talk about on this show, you may think these are my opinions. I worked, let's just say, to simplify things, I worked in this field. I don't like to use the word expert. So I won't, I won't say to you I'm an expert in mind control, but I know more about it than the average bear. Let's just say that. Let's just say I not only know what it is, I know how it works because I worked in this field. And I've touched on that, and I'll go into it a little bit more as the weeks go on. But what I tell you about this, these techniques, I didn't learn entirely from reading in books. Let's just say it that way. I worked with these techniques firsthand and saw how they were applied in the world. Gnosis, not belief. This isn't my belief system. This is gnosis. I know this because I was working with people that are actively applying these techniques in the world all around us. And I know they're being applied. I know that this is what they are, and this is how they're being applied. And I'm not, again, people don't like my tact or my uh, rough edge that I will explain this with because I will say something like the words, I know. Because I do. It's not wrong to tell somebody you know that something is taking place when in fact you do know that it's taking place. I'm simply stating a truth. These techniques are, in fact, occurring, taking place, and this is how they indeed work. So, a manipulator, essentially, this is their ultimate goal. Their ultimate goal is to put the person in the victim mentality, because the victim mentality takes on the worldview that I am the eternal victim, and there are eternal masters that victimize me. That this isn't our collective doing, and this isn't our collective conditioning, 
Okay? This is simply how the world is. And it has always been like this. And it will forever be like this. And again, if you think that, not only are you under mind control, you are completely deceived by the manipulators of this world. Change is possible. I didn't say it was easy. It must be willed to manifest. But it is possible. It is possible when we take back control of our own personal power, of our mind, which creates our conditions. When we give its power away, it creates negative conditions. When we take back the creative power of our mind, we can create positive conditions with that power. We are the co-creators of this reality with natural law principles. When we discover them and apply them in our lives, which Jeremy Locke in his book, which I was reading excerpt, an excerpt from earlier, called Prudence. When we apply these principles properly for the right reasons, for the, the stated goals, toward our stated goals, which is life, liberty, and happiness, then we will have those things. But we will not have those things until we embody principles, meaning we must be something first. That will enable us, that will empower us and power means the ability to do something. That's what power is. Even the scientific definition of power is the ability to do work. Well, we will have the ability to do the work when we take that power back. And we will take that power back when we embody principles, meaning be a certain way in the world through our thoughts and our emotions, our, through our world view. When we are being or becoming into that state, then we will have the ability to do the things we want to do, and then we will have the conditions that we want to have. It is the process of being, then doing, then having. Not the other way around. Which is another mind control technique. People think you have to have things. I have to have money so then I could do the things I want so then I could be happy when in fact the reality is is exactly reversed. It is exactly the other way around. Change is possible. The corner that we have worked ourselves into, I am not going to sit here and lie to you that it will be easy to affect that change. But it is possible. It is possible. We must will it to happen. 
will it to happen. And that will be accomplished when we arrive at true intelligence, true care, and true courage. You know, all the things in that movie, The Wizard of Oz, a deep occult allegory. Dorothy, who wants her conditions to change and to go back to a peaceful state that she, from, from whence she came, called Kansas. Or peace, in other words. Or truth, or freedom. All of these things. She has to acquire helpers along the way toward that goal. To get past the illusion of this grand manipulator wizard who control, who has the ability to control everything and really has the ability to control nothing. It's all the power that people are turning over to this fraud. So she meets the scarecrow and he needs intelligence, the brain. The woodsman needs, wants a heart. He wants true care. And the lion wants true courage. When we develop these three principles, then we will override our conditioning and the human condition will change. And we will have that which we desire. Good quality of life, peace, prosperity, freedom, and happiness. And not a, not a millisecond until. Not a millisecond. And that's exactly as it should be. And people think they're going to take shortcuts to this goal. Again, this whole New Age movement notion. You know, you hear a million things about this. The sudden awakening is going to happen. Oh, people aren't going to have to do great work in uncovering how all of this stuff works. They're not going to have to expend a lot of effort to learn new things and research, you know, ideas and, you know, actually change their thinking. It's just, it's just a sudden awakening that's going to happen. I mean, I, I can't even tell you what BS that is. Or that we're going to magically morph and go into another dimension. You know? D don't wait for this stuff, folks, because it's all occult-driven nonsense. Some of the occultists I worked with in the past told me, wait till you see the labyrinthine nature of the notions that we're going to pump out through our publishing houses. And what these utter unthinking people will accept into their brainwashed worldview. They'll believe anything we tell them. Anything. Because what people don't want to hear is that hard work is required for change to occur. Never am I ever going to use the phrase to change is easy. You'll never hear me say that. Because it's not. It's hard work that has to be done through an act of will. 
willpower is how this is accomplished. And anybody telling you that it's easier than that is a liar, a fraud, a charlatan, or an idiot that knows nothing. And many people are telling many people that, and many people are believing that notion, that this is just some kind of a lay, it's going to be a laid-back organic process that we don't direct. Well, yeah, there is a notion of stepping into a slipstream where you stop fighting against and doing all the things that are wrong, and then this process does become something that unfolds naturally. That's certainly true. But don't think this isn't work that has to be accomplished through an act of our willpower. Change is possible, but I will never tell you that it's a given. It is not a given. It's not easy. Just something from the, from the sick, twisted condition that we exist in now in the world. It's not going to be just an easy process to get from here to there. It's going to be a long journey fraught with peril, more likely than not. That depends on how many people, ultimately depends on how many people heed this message. Heed the warnings that are being given about how we're on the wrong path, and then heed the message on how to get on to the right one. And knowledge is required. It is not just a heart-based thing about love and care. That Those are absolutely one of the three essential critical elements that must be present. You have to care deeply about this, not, not so much that it becomes, uh, you know, uh, a, a cut-your-nose-off-to-spite-your-face situation. However, I think you have to care a lot. You have to care deeply. Your heart has to be in the right place. But you have to have intelligence about how these principles that are working against you on the other side are, are, are working like a chess game. Because the people who are playing this manipulation game are very skilled at it. And they have a, a long history in their bloodlines of practicing these techniques. And they know how to, how to implement them and execute them very well. And most people on the other side of the game haven't even sat down, haven't even sat down at, at the game. They don't even know a game's being played on them. You, you tell them, hey, there's a game going on here. You're, you got your opponents whipping you. What game? I don't, what's chess? That, that's where most people's mindset is at. Not all, but most. And again, I would say that is slowly changing, but not nearly at the rate it needs to to really have a deep impact on the outcome of this game. And it's all about what we want to see happen. You know, people will tell you, oh, I want this, I want happiness, I want prosperity, I want peace. Well, what are you actually doing to put those goals into manifestation? Just hoping for it doesn't make it so. 
the, the notion of uh, the law of attraction as just being something you hope and wish for and visualize to make it happen is nonsense. That is not how the law of attraction is actually applied. You have to manifest things through how you think and feel, but then toward proper action in the world through courage. So you need the know-how, the care, but if you don't have the will, forget it. It's never going to happen. You hear where there's a will, there's a way. Well, that's absolutely 100% true. The way lies in the will. That's why when we talk about some occult symbolism, we get into the pillar of the will. What is that? What does that mean? It's true wisdom on how to manifest change in the world, which is what we're talking about here. That change is possible. But only when three critical ingredients come together. Knowledge, intelligence, true care. And then courage to act in the proper moral ways in the world by an act of will, by the power of the will. And that is the, the coming together, the synthesis that we require to actually manifest change in the world. When we have that combination in the right proportion, then change becomes possible. And if we did that in big numbers, then you would see it start to flow. Not in the paltry numbers that the people who have made this paradigm shift and come into a new vibration of consciousness and knowledge and understanding and care and will, where that number is at now is far too small to make change ripple over into a a worldwide dynamic. I didn't say that's not possible. I said at the numbers that we're at, don't expect that to happen where we're at right now. We have a long way to go and a lot more work to do, and a lot more people have to make this paradigm shift, this fundamental change in worldview. And until they clean that palate, that plate, so to speak, until they cleanse their worldview and get clear on what is human nature, what is the value in, of the individual, and how this change really take place. They're not going to be in an empowered position to manifest those changes that they say they want. You could say you want it all you want. You could think of, of that and hold the goal in your mind all you want. You could even feel as good as you want about it unless you actually take the measures to create a new condition based on those thoughts and emotions. Don't expect it to manifest. The will is the final ingredient in that triumvirate. It takes all three in conjunction. That's why the all-seeing eye representing this activated 
consciousness is always within a triangle. Three things must converge. The triangle is another sacred shape. Until those three aspects of consciousness, thoughts, emotions, and actions, intelligence, care, and will, united with courage, come into manifestation, we should not expect change to magically occur on its own. So that is how the whole technique of worldview poisoning goes to work upon the human mind. Poison someone's view of human nature and you have them where you want them. Because they'll be working against each other. Poison someone's value of themselves and others and that will make immoral behavior all the easier to become manifest in the world. And that's what control is all about. Immoral behavior. That's what the essence of evil is. So that's poisoning the value of, the, the, the idea of what the value, the true value of the individual is. And then the third method is Poison someone's mind with the thought that change cannot actually occur. That we are stuck in this condition eternally. All of these things are lies. Human nature is not inherently evil. The value of the individual and the worth of the individual is not based upon a number. It is based upon the dynamic living spirit that is within everyone. And change is possible. When we understand these things, that is when our worldview will be cleansed, will be healed. Which is the first and foremost technique of consciousness raising healing solutions that we will talk about many weeks from now when we get into practical solutions to the problems that we are experiencing in the world. Worldview healing. How do we heal this poisonous worldview that most people have taken on in this system of manipulation? We'll talk about some specific healing techniques and modalities so this is where I'm going to uh, leave it for tonight folks I think there was some sort of a technical issue going on on talk shoe uh, it doesn't look like um, it doesn't look like uh, any calls were able to come in because my talk shoe connection dropped out there somewhere in the middle. I'm seeing that I, I don't have the talk shoe connection on Skype, so I apologize for that. I may need to uh, rework some things on the technical end, but not to worry. I'll work that out. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground today, and we will go into more uh, mind control manipulation techniques on next week's show. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. 
I'll see you all here next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm Mark Passio, and you've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. Thanks, everyone.